earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T. So I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So. <laughs> I think I really need to know what the uh, Dr. J. Stefan Marbury conversation consisted of this morning. Yeah, that was weird. He's a straight legend over there now, and I don't mean Dr. J. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not Julius. The other one. Yeah, I wonder if... Uh, I didn't have the volume up for most of the game because uh, I was doing things, but uh, I wonder if Marbury got a bigger ovation than anybody else, than Dr. J, than uh, who else? It was like Jim Jackson, really oddly enough. Dr. J, Jermaine O'Neal. I, I think don't, Ray Allen was there. Ray Ray was there for yeah. sure. Um, it was just a weird cast of characters that okay. were hanging out at the Mavs game. Uh, are we good now? Are we going? Yeah. Okay, because I... I hate to be this guy. Oh, no. That was like the worst two games of announcing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. And I get it if you're having to call names of guys whenever the Ducks were here. <laughs> and you've got four Zangs, mm-hmm. two Changs, their first, which I guess is actually what we would think of as your last name, are all very, very confusing to the American tongue. Two Zangs. But these, <laughs> two Zangs, <laughs> but these were... Regular NBA players, yeah, names. just normal guys, and like Max there's a, players. There's a number of ways I've heard Maxie's name said, yeah, and I think a lot of them have to do with the way that sometimes it's hard for people who don't have the same dialect to pronounce. Like, I actually think it's probably like Kleba, mm-hmm. but I think you can get away with Kleba, Kleber. You can get away with Kleber, mm-hmm. but you cannot do Claybor. <laughs> they did Claybor. Um, they've done Ryan Spalding. <laughs> Instead of Ray Spalding or Ryan Brokoff, uh, it was just an utter disaster, dude. And it was bad Friday night, too. Matt Barnes joined the team. Matt Barnes, some, we had a Matt Barnes point. Friday. Yeah. Uh, there were. Th- Doncic was on fire early from three. Yeah. And yet, after about the fourth non Doncic three missed, he was like, Mavericks struggling from three, 0 for 5. <laughs> I'm like, Lucas already hit. Two or three. Luca hit like he two, just hit him. And Finney hit one, didn't he? Yeah. To start out the game. Yeah, and so the other guy kind of I get, I get it. Those things happen, but it was bad, man. And I hate to, like I said, I don't think I could just step in and do that job. I'm not saying that. I'd rather just do they like were, they were a not rabble. Good. I'd rather just do a rabble of an NBA game and couple just have fans. the guys, yeah, a couple fans sitting around shooting the S rather than some guy that's like half-ass calling names and doing – shoddy play-by-play, and all they really want to do is for you to pan the camera over to Dr. J so I can just let me talk about something I know for one minute, and please. Al- and also, like, uh, they want so bad to let you know that people in China love the NBA. <laughs> yeah. And so they basically just have, like, a one sheet of bullet points yeah. that whenever there's not a whole lot of action going on, and I get that. We've all been in that spot where you're having to read copy that you're kind of like, did you know that? High school football games, bro. And Yeah, exactly. But also, I... <laughs> Much like whenever there's a... Quick check, you're after Van Alstine High School football game stop. That's right. Two taquitos. That's right. Uh, for price of one. Price of one. I If they win. Much like whenever there's a natural disaster and like the next day I see estimates on the damage. The damage. <laughs> this damage is going to cost this much. Mm-hmm. I've never trusted those numbers. Uh, and whenever they're they, lowballing you, or I don't know. You? I just don't see how they know so quickly how much damage there is and what it's going to cost. Like, yeah, it just never made any sense to me. And I don't also don't understand the rush to get that information out there. But I'm going somewhere with this, which is that I don't know that I buy like a lot of the statistics on how many fans there are in China and how, how do they know and how many people estimated to be playing the game. Yeah, what constitutes playing the game? Like, if you sign up to go to be in an actual boxing match, which I've done. You have like a card. Oh. You have a card, uh-huh. and you have a record. But how do you register to be a basketball player to count as one of the sixty-five million people on Earth who consider yourself a guy who plays basketball? Yeah, you're not a real fireworks engineer if you don't have a license. Exactly. And so whenever they have these stats, like this number of people play basketball, I have no idea. I think it's like, just a guess. 
It feels like a guess. I honestly think it's a guess. Because there's no, not, I mean, these, those guys were not good. Because, I mean, they don't even have, like, Twitter. So you can't judge by, okay, this amount of... Because on um, NBA Reddit, they did, like, a really cool survey. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was, I don't know what the sample size was or what the crowd size was, but they kind of boiled it down to, okay, this is the ages of NBA fans. This is how many are on Twitter. This is how many identify as this. And it kind of made sense. And I don't know if it was via NBA Twitter or NBA Reddit, but over there, they're like, there's not Facebook. There's not Twitter. There's this thing called Wabu. You can try to get onto it, um, but it's not easy. I've never even tried. I just knew there wasn't going to be no tweeting when they're over there uh, yeah. unless it's like secondhand. So, yeah, I don't know if the sample size is accurate. There's just so many damn people that I feel like you could say any number and I'd go, huh. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt Pretty like. incredible. But uh, they weren't only messing up like Maverick players' names. They were generally just kind of a mess. Yeah. So I'm going to chalk that up to being uh, you're all out of sorts. Well, luckily... Playing road games as, yeah. uh, as an announcer, but yeah, they were not 13-hour flight over there. I don't even know who they had on that, because luckily today I was listening to uh, to Coop freak out. Oh, nice. Every five minutes, because on Mavs.com we had it synced up. Yeah, uh, I was way behind. Coop-a-loop. I watched this game a little late Yeah, in the morning. And then um, the Friday one I kind of had to watch on NBA TV a little bit, because uh, <laughs> just some crap. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We couldn't sync up the the coop call on Friday. Well, it was cool though because we got to see. Um, it's kind of unfortunate actually because we got to see DeAndre Smith Jr. and Doncic all together mm-hmm. in a game against a not NBA team, right? And now we've get we've got to see Doncic and Smith Jr. against an NBA team twice. And I didn't know, I didn't realize until Friday morning that the 76ers were playing their full first like eight guys. Yeah, it was everybody but Saric today, right? Yes, um, it, was, it was. It was Bob. It was Bob Cove. It was Fultz. It was Simmons and Embiid, and then they had a. I don't know who else they had in the starting lineup, but uh, uh, Muscala. Muscala, yeah, yeah Muscala <laughs> starting for Saric, the great I Mike Muscala. Guess their plan is to bring Redick off the bench, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if Fultz fits in that starting lineup unless his shot really starts to fall, and he didn't even attempt a three in this game. No. He's made um, one, I guess, in preseason in three games. He does look like he has some juice. I, oh, I he's think he's going to be yeah. pretty good. I just don't know if he fits with their starting lineup. But yeah, Philadelphia, when you're going to play Simmons and Embiid together, you cannot have, you cannot go 0 for 9 yeah. of 3 in your first. I know Embiid was contributing to that, and a lot of those were open looks, and he was just bad, man. Do you think two guys who finished at 31% last year from three? I have on one hand uh, Joel Embiid, and I have on the other hand uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who has a higher three-point percentage this season. Dennis. I think uh, both of them are better. Yeah, they should be. I would put Dennis maybe 35-36, and then Joel maybe 34-35. I don't know. The Sixers are starting to worry me. A little bit on not that they're not going to be great or you know be a top four team in the East. It's just I already see their flaws, and I don't know how they correct them. I can tell you exactly how they correct them, and that is they have to get another player. Yeah, and but yeah. they have a ton of money. They still have a ton of capital. They just didn't get it done this off season. Fultz does look weird though on that team to me. I just feel like there's two ball dominant guys already, and he might be better served on the second unit. Yeah. For that, sure. That might be the most, get the most out of him that way. I think it's weird that they're just going with Redick right away off the bench because I think he fits great in their starting. Now, it yeah. does look a little different whenever Dario's out there because Dario can light it up. For sure. Deep too. But uh, before we get to Smith Jr., and because I, like, I think that's part of the what would a breakout season for him look like mm-hmm. is looking at his three. Do you want to do Twitter question first? Because yeah, let's Ma- tease the Maxie show. Maxie Claiborne. <laughs> Claiborne. Maxie Morris Claiborne. Actually has been pretty good, man. Maxie's been great from three. I think uh, first game, I don't think he missed one. I think he was three for three against the Beijing Ducks. Um, he was one for four tonight, but he did have seven boards, a couple of assists. He just looks like a very comfortable NBA player to me now. Yeah, there's no – as last year it was like, okay, can this guy get minutes? Does he have a role here? What's what's the deal with Maxie? I don't think there's any question going into this season. And the early returns just – I mean, the dude looks like a – freaking brick s house now he's kind of reformed his body 
He's healthier than he's ever been, and he's knocking down threes. And we already saw like the gritty stuff last year. He was a yeah. gar- he was a garbage man last year. He'd get boards, he'd block, he'd get blocks, he'd uh, you know, keep people out of the paint and do like a pretty swell job at playing center overall in lineups where it really didn't help him. <laughs> and lineups in where there wasn't a, a wing defender to be seen, and he's just kind of cleaning stuff up. So the uh, the Twitter question of the day comes from JLustig22, at JLustig22. Dir- if Dirk is out for the early part of the season, do you expect Maxi to take his spot in the rotation? It's only preseason, but he looks much improved, especially the arc and the three-point shot, which was too flat last year. Do you think he and Powell make for a good pairing off the bench? You nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Maxi gets those Dirk minutes. I don't think uh, it's quite the same type of lethal offense. Uh, whenever you have Maxi out there sliding into Dirk's role on the, I guess, pick and pop situation, because in a perfect bench uh, offensive possession, I think it's JJ Barea getting a set screen, or a screen set by Powell, and maybe a secondary screen by Dirk. One of them dives at the basket. One of them peels off to the three-point line. You know which one that is. And then, okay, we're going to make this a a three-on-two game. One of your defenders is going to start chasing, or one of them is not going to be able to be quick enough to get out to the three-point line. And whichever one the decision is, JJ's great at making that split-second decision of, here comes the lob or here comes the hook pass over my head, back to Dirk, knock that down. I think Maxi can be a good shooter. I don't know if he'll ever be like, elite or he's going to light the world on fire or he's going to do some kind of st- statistical anomaly this season and be like close to 40%. But I think I think you can cash Maxi in for like 36% on a couple threes a game. Um that makes that second unit really sturdy. Honestly, I don't know if it slows him down or what it does necessarily. Uh long term if Maxi and Dwight and JJ, well the thing it, the thing it does to me um is I've always had Dirk Dwight JJ as a three-man unit coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily like chiseled in stone now in terms of it needs to be Maxi Dwight, JJ. I think there's a little bit more flexibility in there. Yeah, sometimes you might just go with one of the two of them uh, between Maxi and Pal, just depending on what the opposition's defense is. But I, you know, his, you could take issue with the sample size, but in Cleveland's Last 20 games last year, he shot 37% from three. Mm-hmm. And the first 52, he was at 28.7. So I think he's probably closer on that volume to a 36% shooter than he is a 28 or 29% shooter. Mm-hmm. And if he's doing that, his spot-ups last year, uh, 66 percentile, so very good. Uh, he's probably going to be open a lot. Yeah. He's big enough to defend uh, yep. fives. And so I think you don't – the reality is is not just for this year, but I we kind of all expect Dirk to be gone after this season. And so I don't think it's crazy at all if Kleba is basically filling that role in 2019-2020 and going forward. Now, he's not super young. No, he's older than you think. I think 26, 27. Right. So it's not like he's just – you have tons of time left to mold him. Um, but I know they have him – Maybe one more year on a team option. But in any case, I expect him to be here. And there's nothing wrong with that guy coming off the bench because the only reason he's in the situation he was in is because he was hurt a lot. Yeah, he played uh, overseas a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but he was hurt, so he wasn't like a guy that came over immediately. He had to prove it. He's an NBA player. Oh, there's no doubt. And he fits well, I think, with Pal, at least as a bench unit. I'm not sure that you would want both those guys on the floor in a starting lineup type situation. Mm-hmm. And that's why they, you know, last year went with Dirk and Kleba. Yeah, I think he's good, man. I think he's good, and I think he's a he's a nice piece. And I don't know that I was really sold on him early last year. No, you're not wrong. I I thought he was basically an echo of uh, what's that little skinny neck kid they had for a minute? Uh, that was three point shooter that never got in the game. Um, yes, I can't remember his name. He was here last year, but anyway, I last was, year. Yeah, I thought he was an echo of him. Oh, Brasino. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought he okay. was Nico. I thought he was Nico Bersino. I was like, oh, okay, we got another one of these guys just because I just saw a foreign guy that was here and was kind of skinny. Um, but yeah, Maxi's probably four or five years older than Nico. Um, yeah, dude, he's just sturdy. And the real question to me comes down to okay, 
say Finney Smith can shoot the way I think Finney, Finney Smith can shoot right now. My confidence level in Finney Smith uh, doesn't doesn't waver at all, and I think he can knock down open threes. Now, do you want him or Maxi? Is that a more valuable player to get more bench minutes? Because the position flex for Finney Smith, I don't think Maxi can guard down. I don't think he's going to be closing out on a three necessarily. No. Um, and if he's not going to be the elite offense uh, generator that Dirk is, then maybe give me a guy that can position flex off the bench. And I think it's probably a good problem to have. Um, and then you sprinkle in a little Brokov, which <laughs> if you haven't noticed, by the way, on, on Ryan Brokov, that dude just shoots the piss out of the basketball. Yeah. Like he catches it on the move. His feet aren't even square yet. His hips aren't around and he's, he's launching like that thing is going up. And most of the time it goes in like he's a damn good shooter. But, um, yeah, I hope that answers that question succinctly enough. Thanks. Uh, Jay Lustig. Uh, so on today's show, we're going to talk about the uh, GM survey that went around the league that we got the results from. We're going to talk about Luca's defense a little bit. And uh, off the top right here. Oh, oh! if you want to uh, sponsor the Mavs Podcast Network, the four-pointer, ceiling is the roof, uh, numbers on the board, um, or just between us girls, then please send us an email, podcast at dallasmavs.com, and uh, we could be reading your ad right now instead of calling for sponsors. Uh, if you didn't check out uh, the top 10 questions heading into the Mavs season from last week on Friday on Ceiling is the Roof, it was very uh, fun recording with uh, Austin Garuya and Tim Cato uh, joined me and Bobby and we tackled the top 10 Mavs questions heading into the season. We did the 11 through 20 episode the Friday before with Mark Fellowell, so check those out if you will. Uh, okay, so something I was sitting around thinking after maybe Friday's game. When Dennis had another good one. I think we're a l- missing the forest for the trees a little bit. And I, and I knew this was going to happen. But I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I think our, our obsession with Luca and, it, and it's well-deserved. Uh, the dude's been great early. And he's been everything. Everything I've wanted to see from Luca. I think I've seen. Um, but what's happened is... The B storyline, the subplot that's going on, um, is Dennis Smith Jr. in his second season. And the breakout that I think he's about to have. And I think we all kind of looked at it as, okay, ball handler that uh, demands the rock a lot, dribbles it a lot, pounds the air out of the ball, and Luca, and then there's another one over there, Dennis Smith Jr., they can't both be great at the same time or not to the not great to the level that I think Dennis is going to be. And maybe that's a little old fashioned. That's a little, um, I don't know, a little archaic thinking of there's only one quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I started challenging myself on that thinking going, okay, if Luca is rookie of the year caliber talent, then Dennis clearly can't take a, a giant step forward. And I think that's kind of that's dumb. That's that's pig-headed of me. Because I think Luca can be rookie of the year, 15 to 17 points, 5 and 5 somewhere along those lines and definitely be hovering around, you know, do we invite this kid to the All-Star game type stuff and he's, you know, taking the league by storm and Dennis can still be sitting over there going, "Hey, I'm scoring 20 a game now." And watching him in the preseason, dude, I think he's I think he's a twenty point a game guy. Yeah, he was actually him hitting in the mid range and working his way around screens and yeah. pulling up and hitting this particularly on Friday morning. Getting to uh, spots. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And he pushes the ball. He's so fast. And just the fact that they have guys who will push the ball now, I think it's I do think there's something to the idea that there's only so many buckets and so many possessions. So he could have a breakout year and it not feel uh, quite like that it's a breakout year because of the numbers that might not be there. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I wrote for The Athletic was just looking at uh, guys that I kind of think of him like mm-hmm. and comps and looking at their rookie seasons just based on the way they play. And I went with Kyrie, 
Damian Lillard, Kimball Walker, John Wall, and John uh, and Russell Westbrook. And really, if you look at their rookie seasons, he was kind of right in line with those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of right in the middle of the pack. He shot the ball uh, a little bit worse than obviously Kyrie and Dame, but a little bit better than John Wall and Westbrook. He John Wall made like ten threes. Yeah, exactly. He had uh, you know more steals than Lillard, Walker, and Irving, but he had fewer assists than everybody but Kimba in the sample. But his usage rate was right in line with those guys, very high. Actually, it was the highest of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's his age 20 season, which makes him the second youngest player in the sample outside of Kyrie. Um, but if you look at all those guys' second years, it's not really all that hard to imagine Smith Jr. jumping from 15.2 points to like 19. Mm-hmm. And jumping from five point two assists to like six and a half or seven, um. But yeah, I mean, pretty much every single player in this sample size improved to to twenty points a game in their second season, other than Kemba and John Wall. Yeah, the other three did. So not, I guess, not every other, but the other three did. Other four did. I, think I don't know. It's just it'll be interesting to see what style of basketball they play. I think that'll have a lot to do with what his numbers look like. Yeah, and I haven't seen him. He might have taken a pull-up three already. But I haven't noticed just a straight-up, I'm dribbling, I'm tired of this possession. That's Luca's job. Let me <laughs> let me, let me, me go ahead and let this thing go. I haven't seen one yet. And there might be one hidden in there somewhere. Uh, but that was the issue last year. And I don't even know if like a lot of the things that we consider issues in his game from last year um, need to be carried over as the as the blueprint, as this is the guy, this is what he is, because 30 minutes a night as a rookie, that usage rate as a rookie, shooting five threes a game for a dude that isn't necessarily a, a efficient three-point shooter, I think it was the ultimate don't give an F year of go out, figure out what you're good at, um, get comfortable with these three to five things, the rest will fall where it will, where it will, and next season we're going to have a better team, and you're going to have a way more defined role. And I think we're all just kind of sleeping on the fact that if the ball's moving better, if he takes smarter shots, if the offense is more lethal, and you have a true center back there, and he doesn't have to try and generate points that don't exist that aren't that aren't living on the floor anywhere, um, that he could he could jump up to twenty points. And I th- I would really, really like to put some money on him leading the Mavs in scoring this season. Well, I can tell you the one thing that's not going to work is among this sample size, he by far had the fewest free throw attempts in his first yep. year. And some of these guys, you know, Kimba, uh, who started his career at 3.2, jumped up to 4.5 the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dame was at 3.9 and got up to 5.2. Kyrie was at 3.8 and got up to 4.9. You know, so there is improvement in all of these guys from year one to year two, but none of them came into the league and only averaged 2.8 free throws a game. Yeah. So if he's going to lead them in scoring, he's going to have to damn near double that total. Mm-hmm. And I think that might actually be possible if they're playing faster. Yeah. But I that's not tenable. He's got, He's got to cross like four this year and probably like at least five the year after that. Yeah, I was struggling with that idea because I don't think his like free throw percentage or percentage of shots that – generator possessions that turn into free throws are necessarily going to change, but if the pace is right. cranked up, then you that's hit a completely... More of them. Yeah, it's a completely different number. Then you hit more of them. Um, one thing I have noticed thus far is uh, I think he's a little bit paranoid about getting his shot blocked because it happened so much last year, and he, whenever he did go in there with a full head of steam and kind of dive at people's heads, he didn't get the calls. He didn't end up on the line. So I've noticed the very first game and a little bit of the second game He's been doing a lot of uh, a lot of up and under, letting the rim kind of protect. Um, and for a guy that's as athletic as he is, you would think he would just want to jump straight over people. But he's more interested in kind of getting the best angle, not getting the shot blocked. And then today, diving in there against <laughs> Ben Simmons, who's chasing him, and uh, running straight into the teeth of, of Joel. And Amir Johnson one time took a charge on him. I've noticed he'll go up there and he'll kind of like, reposition the basketball once and if there isn't a clear path where he feels like he's going to get blocked he's he hovers so long and he's so strong with the ball now with both hands that he just kind of kicks it back out yeah and it looks funky it's not like a good pass 
it's a it's a bailout, just spit the thing back out thing. But I feel like he's super conscious of I don't want to get blocked. I don't think I'm going to the foul line. So I don't know if the generating more free throws on a on a per possession basis is necessarily a thing he can do, but if the pace is cranked up, it might make more sense. But I feel like we're just sleeping on the to- the overall fact that this kid's going to be leaps and bounds better than the inefficient uh, lots of shots, lots of usage guy he was last year. He definitely looks totally different to me already, so I would expect it. I think he can get up to like 33 34% from deep, and I think he can get to like three and a half or four free throws in a game, which is probably adding three points, two and a half to three points to his total right there. Yeah. And I don't I, we need to stop doing the it's zero sum Luca or him. No, but I will tell you early on, and I, I noticed this more Friday than this morning, they they are it's if you imagine that these two players are gonna play together for like at least the next five years or so, mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge that the worst of those five years is going to be this year, mm-hmm. logically anyways. And there definitely are still times where Whichever one of them does not have the ball is kind of just standing around. And that's well, gonna, Luka, I think it's just going to take a while. With Luca, it's starting to be a good thing because I don't know his man. Hit. Yeah, his man will just kind of drift off of him and get lost, and then he's just takes a couple steps towards the middle of the court and he's knocking down threes. Yep. Which is, I don't know. I I I considered him a good shooter. Um, I just didn't know if the percentages were going to make sense this year, but. We saw in the first game, I think he knocked down his first two or three threes, and then today uh, knocked down two in a row in the first quarter. He'll pull up, too. Oh, there's no doubt. He'll do a step back on you, <laughs> a nice 6'8", six, 6'9", six, dude. Yeah, he, the shot Trying looked bad back. Friday, but this morning it was it looked buttery. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things about Luca, just to answer some of the Twitter questions that have come across. Um, if you... <laughs> And also, if you ask me a Twitter question of something we've talked about in the previous two weeks, then uh, then shame on you. Go listen to those. But uh, people have asked me about his slow release on his shot. And a lot of times, your shot, specifically your jump shot, is a product of... It's almost like your, your body size. Or... like. Small dudes, big dudes will never learn how to run into the lane and hit like body uh, body weight push-off fadeaways. A little shot that little dudes have to make where you tilt back. It's it's the Dirk fadeaway yep. that he learned whenever he was little. And he had to shoot over people because he's playing with older kids. It's that. And Luca's probably always been pretty freaking tall. And I feel like he's always been able to shoot over people. And so... The release might be slow. I haven't noticed a problem with it yet. I haven't seen an issue of where it's so slow that people have time to recover. Like, I think he shoots quicker than J.J. Barea does. Yeah. Because J.J. will catch the ball, and it's like, close the gate, buddy. Get the feet set. Here we go. And uh, it hasn't been an issue yet. I've noticed it. I just wanted to bring it up because people have asked me about it a couple times. Like, oh, it's a slow release. What's up with that? And I'm like, well, whenever he has to release it fast, let's see what it looks like. I'm fine with his shot. I have, I have zero issues with his shot. Not not one problem with his shot. I feel like he's a he's going to be an above average shooter right now out yep. of the bag. Another thing uh, I know is really fun and memeable. And the uh, the teams came for him whenever Ben Simmons kept him from getting to the rack on that one possession where he tried his little tried a little sauce on Ben Simmons and he was like no 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 go the other way. Sorry, bud. I don't care about that. <laughs> I really don't. Ben Simmons is going to do that to a lot of people this year. Yeah. He's, he's 6'10", and he moves like a gazelle. He's drawing a pretty tough cover there. He's the first NBA player that he played against, and I guess in NBA action, is a guy who was rookie of the year and is 6'10". Yeah, and is and, a great defender. Yeah, so he's as you said, there's nothing that I wanted to see from him that I haven't seen through these two games yeah and one one very smooth this morning positive that i didn't expect to see was uh he's really good at drawing fouls 
I actually did expect that because I saw him do that a ton in those EuroLeague games, and he does it by straight stopping in the lane. <laughs> yeah. He just put the air brakes on, and, well, I'm here now. And I, I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago, um, but the best-case scenario for Luka Doncic involves, like, it's all fun and games now where the rest of the league, like, really loves him. Mm-hmm. But it, maybe you'll always have some level of, like, basketball hipster that will love the guy but if he turns into a really good player yeah people are gonna really hate that guy oh yeah he's gonna be like stuff or harden yeah in that you're like that's just not that's not fair that's not right for you to be stopping (laughs) that's not a foul but how dare you it it, you know at some point i just learned to accept the fact that what harden was doing was legal no matter how much it bothered me so oh but there was some he's gonna have a manu like hate about him yeah if if he ends up being pretty effective, because the way he draws fouls is not by beating people to the rim and then they have to like recover and try to hack him. It's mm. just him stopping. Yeah, it's should have known better fouls. Around, yes, the type of thing that just pisses you off and pick yeah. up basketball. That's kind of what he's good at. And it took, I don't know, maybe two to three, four years, I don't know, for Harden being in Houston before people just didn't absolutely lose their S. <laughs> over James Harden shooting 10 free throws a game because, yeah. I mean, that's a skill whether you like it or not. And I was one of the most vocal against the guy whenever it was happening. I was like, that's not the way basketball is supposed to look. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's not – and whenever he's on your, not on your team, that's an easy thing to say. Um, Okay, a couple pieces of news. Uh, DeJounte Murray. Mm. I'm real sorry, bud. That That's sucks. A tough one. That freaking sucks. Uh, torn ACL or partially torn ACL. I'm I'm assuming that's a season thing. Yeah. And things can get really weird for San Antonio because they had so much hinging on that kid, just so stinking much. Man, it was it's him and it's him and Patty Mills are their backcourt. Yeah, and Demar. Well, yeah, Demar is a as a two, but primary ball handlers. And distributing the basketball is him and Patty Mills, and man, they're starting Patty Mills next to Demar now, and that might get real ugly. <laughs> like I wanted to, one of my wild predictions was uh, just a tease for next week. Whenever we jump into our prediction bag, whenever we're in our bag, uh, Mass finished with a better record than the Spurs. Certainly looks fine now. Lock it in. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. <laughs> Lock it in now. Um, They'll probably end up just somehow winning the lottery. and <laughs> Tim Duncan's son. Yeah, end up with Barrett or somebody. Zion. Yeah. Oh, God. Zion, I swear that'd be so frustrating. Uh, and then another piece of news. Um, Dante Ingram and Rashad Vaughn. New Mavs. Saw that. Waved Jalen Jones and Cody Miller McIntyre, the hyphen. So got rid of... Uh, or Aggie, swell guy. I really like Jalen Jones. He's a cool dude. Um, and the hyphen for Dante Ingram, who I know nothing about, so I am now Googling. Loyola. I know that. He's, Stand up. He's, uh, he's, I don't know, he might have been on a 10-day with him at some point. Hmm. I do know Rashad Vaughn. Yeah. Because he was in the same draft, I think, as Norman Powell, and I thought those were the same dude for, a long, for the longest time. I think I watched him... Uh, the same day or something, and they're very similar guards. It's just one is NBA caliber, and the other is Rashad Vaughn, who is still trying to make his way in the league. Um, So we'll see on those guys, but let me look at Dante Ingram. Young dude, 22. Oh, play with teammate of Jabari Parker, so good for him. Those are your newest Mavs. That's all the news I have for you on that. Yeah, I mean that's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not not game changing. Um, all right, you want to jump into the NBA GM survey? Sure. So they send this uh, this business around the league, and I just kind of copied and pasted the ones that the Mavs were either a honorable mention on or a top four or five. They fit in some which way on some of these questions. So this is a survey of the GMs, general managers of the teams around the league. Question one was, which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2018-19? Jamal Murray, 20%. I can see that. Brandon Ingram, 10%. That's I would have voted for Ingram. 
Jason Tatum. I don't know how you could put Jason Tatum on there, but I guess you could. Um, I don't know. Tatum's numbers are kind of like regular season numbers are kind of startling until you realize like how good he was in the playoffs. Um, Aaron Gordon, seven percent Orlando. Kyle mm-hmm. Kuzma, <laughs> you're not an Aaron Gordon fan. I go back and forth on Aaron Gordon, but what I'm positive of is that if he ends up being successful in his NBA career, it will not be in Orlando. I can feel you on that. So I know that he is uh, recently re-upped, but mm-hmm. I feel like Last they're going year. to move that at some point. Yeah, it was under 20, I think, a year. They got a pretty friendly deal. Or for 80. Okay, right summer. at 20. And it's de-escalating, which is nice. Okay. So like in 2021, he's getting 16-4. Wow. So. That's weird. Um, and he'll only be 26 still. I hate to give up on a player who's only 26. He just kind of has a weird game. Yeah. And I've bought their freaking <laughs> snake oil enough times, and I'm not buying into the magic anymore. No more magic. Yeah. Um, Kuzma slides in there at 7%. Kawhi at 7%. Like, how can Kawhi have a breakout season? I don't understand that <laughs> Yeah, what are, you, what are we doing here? I mean, I guess if you mean breaking out from literally not playing in a game. Yeah. That makes sense. But the answer to me here as much as I love Murray, is is Ingram. Ingram. Dude, the thing that worries me about, well, just that whole, the whole brew that they got uh, mixing up down there, this uh, this stew that they're making in Lakerland, is I'm like, okay, Ingram still isn't shooting threes. <laughs> Doesn't he have to shoot threes to play alongside LeBron? Yeah, but there's a difference between not making threes and not making threes when you play with LeBron. Like, he can set you up in a way that, uh, and let's see. I mean, dude, he went 41 for 105 last year. That ain't horrible. No, that's good. It's a great percentage. It's just not much volume, but yeah, I don't know, man. If you got a guy who's breaking things down like that and then other shooters around you. Well, and Lonzo's out there. Lonzo's yeah. a 31% shooter. And then Rondo's out there. And Rondo might actually be a better shooter than uh, Lonzo right now. But I don't know. And another thing, I watched uh, – I watched their first two games. One was in San Diego against Denver, and then one was in uh, at Staples uh, against Denver. And uh, <laughs> every time, okay, the second they cross half court, LeBron touches the ball. The next integer on the formula, if LeBron passes the ball, is a shot. They're trying to get him 45 assists a game. Yeah. And they're like, some of them aren't even like good passes. They're just like really simple, just like get this ball off me. Whoever catches it is then shooting. They feel like the power of Christ like comes over the basketball and they're like, I'm going to take some of this, this positive, this positive mojo that LeBron put on the ball. And I'm shooting right now. I mean, they were already second in pace last year. Yeah. So that's how they want to play, even if he's not there. And now that he is, I mean, they're certainly not going the other direction. I think Ingram's going to be great. And I don't. Love the guy, like just the interviews I've seen with him and stuff. <laughs> uh, but I think he's going to be really good. And more than anything, I think a lot of these other players don't belong on this list. Like <laughs> Mark and I can see for sure. I might, I might have put Lowry. That feels like what you mean when you say breakout player. Yeah. Don't put Ben Simmons on here. But yeah, but don't put the rookie of the year. Don't put Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, Kelly Oubre voted for himself, <laughs> apparently. Josh Richardson. Miami Heat, um, I guess, man. Uh, and then Dennis Smith Jr. pops up on there. So somebody uh, is thinking along the same lines as I am uh, in terms of our our young son is going to drop 20, and everyone's going to be like, dang, I should have saw this coming. Uh, but there's that one. That was uh, which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 1819. Next question was, which team made the best overall moves this offseason? Well, Congratulations, Lakers. Yeah, great, this one isn't even a question. I mean, great general managing. There's two teams. Yeah. It's Lakers, and, Toronto. Unless you count getting Kyrie and Hayward back. Yeah, good job there. Uh, I did like what Indiana did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Tyreek. I like their bench being way more solid. Uh, and then Dallas got the third most votes uh, with the signing of DeAndre Jordan on the one-year deal and then Luka being added through the draft. And then Oklahoma City gets added on there as well because of the... Keeping I PG. I don't know. I guess keeping PG and... That's a pretty big deal, man. Schroeder. No, it's a huge deal. That's a huge deal for them, but it happened like last season, you know what I mean? Um, which they did win best offseason moves last year. 
What was the most underrated player acquisition? There he is, Tyreek Evans. We just talked about him. The thing about this one is, is that, like, for example, I really like Ariza to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But if if your team is not going to be like that competitive, then I'm not really sure that you should qualify for this. And I also don't understand how the DeMar DeRozan move could be considered underrated. <laughs> I mean, he was traded for like an all yeah. NBA player in the yeah, middle of his contract. Like, there's nothing underrated about that at all. No. Uh, Randall to New Orleans is a really good one. I like that one. That seems like the type of player you're talking about when you say underrated acquisition. I mean, if Schroeder turns out to be something, that would be way underrated. I think I think what he's going to turn out to be is the new version of uh, Reggie Jackson. Yes, that Russ just wants to kill. Just heat it up. And, yeah, and he wants to kill him back, and it's just bad. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, I don't get the Jabari Parker one, but that's fine. Um, Especially at the money. Yeah. Eh. That's a huge contract for a guy who you – who doesn't play any defense and might not be able to like be healthy. Yeah. Uh, Boogie to Golden State was apparently underrated. And then uh, IT to Denver. Um, I guess if you translate the word underrated into compromising your entire defense uh, whenever the second unit's on the court, then yes, underrated applies. Uh, Avery Bradley returning to the Clippers. Ed Davis to Brooklyn. Now that's an underrated move. Yeah. That's an underrated move. I would agree. And then we get two Mavs moves. <laughs> Luca being drafted third overall is underrated somehow. I don't know. Whatever. And then DeAndre Jordan, which kind of was low-key, an underrated move. Uh, Brooke Lopez to Milwaukee for sure. Uh, Luke Mbamute, Doc, just voted for his own guy apparently. The Anthony Melton going to Phoenix. That is way underrated. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, not, that, not super important either. <laughs> Pirtle going to San Antonio, which... That one, some that interests me. Yeah, that I, for sure. If there's me. ever a guy who feels like he could be successful there, yeah, I think Pirtle is going to be annoying this year. Uh, which team will be most improved in 2018-19? Lakers one, two, Dallas Mavericks. Seven percent of the votes, and then Phoenix and third. I mean, if you part of that is not even. Uh, acquisitions it's that they only won 24 games and i think had a pythagorean expectation of like 32 yeah or something like that i yeah, mean maybe expected, it wasn't that high but no, i think it was i think it was <laughs> plus eight and on so the expected win loss even if you get even if you do nothing you should be one of the teams that is considerably better mm-hmm. just based on that alone and then you look at the other teams that they're up against here i mean i don't know i don't i don't see how you could say that I don't, I don't, the Orlando, if you vote for Orlando, you're voting for Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. Well, I'm not getting off that island, but that's. <laughs> the water's closing in. Yeah. Uh, and then Chicago. Um, I, I don't understand who keeps doing this. <laughs> who keeps, who keeps voting like this? Is this uh, Chicago GM and his two friends? They're just voting. They have a pact. They just keep voting for each other. Well, they got Levine. They got Parker. They gave Levine a really bad contract. They gave Jamari Parker a really bad contract. Yeah. I, I do like Wendell Carter a lot, though. Wendell Carter's That's great. That's a pretty nice yeah. move. Really good player. Uh, what was the most surprising move of the offseason? Boogie. 35% of the vote. I Kawhi? Think that's probably the right answer. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I did not see Kawhi going to Toronto. Even though I did... There is a tweet that exists where I... Uh, like the day before it happened, I someone asked me what was going to happen with Kawhi, and I was like, "Dude, it's a team you're not even thinking of. Just step outside the Laker Clippers, Philly, uh, Philly little circle, and some team that's a contender that you're not thinking of right now. It's a ballsy move. It really is. It really is. Uh, Paul George staying in Oklahoma City, yeah, and I'm totally here for the conspiracy theories on that as well. <laughs> Throw him around. Uh, Jimmy Butler, trade request. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> Still is a little weird. Yeah, I feel like we've had no movement. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Carmelo Anthony to Houston. Not surprising at all. <laughs> Someone voted for LeBron to LA. Also uh, not surprising because I think it was decided three years ago. I think it was too. I think he's... Uh, 
I think, you know, at the beginning of the movies, there's like that slate that has like that. Da, da, da. It's like universal. I think in like five years, it's going to be like LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> He's starting his own movie studio. Uh, DeAndre Jordan catching a vote for most surprising move of the offseason. Um, I guess that's surprising. I don't know. Who will win the 2018-19 Rookie of the Year? Luka Doncic, 43%. Someone voted for Marvin Bagley for 17%. Wendell Carter Jr., 17%, tied for second. DeAndre Ayton, 13%. Jaron Jackson checks in. Kevin Knox, Colin Sexton. Lonzo Ball was your last year's vote leading vote getter. Yeah, I'm sure that Bagley will will score a lot and fill it up and stuff, but I'm kind of surprised that people think he's going to be rookie of the year. Yeah, that's very surprising. I mean, that's, that's, very that's putting a lot on a Sacramento team that I mean, they're just bad. His numbers would I would have to put be Jackson phenomenal. too. Yeah, Jackson's up there. I just don't know if his point totals are going to be that high. That's true. Especially Kevin Knox might be option. my dude if I had a uh, 100 bucks burning a hole in my pocket. And the odds were right. Kevin Knox might be might be way up there. I think that guy can score like 17 a game out of the box with Porzingis not there. Um, and I don't even know if I want Luca to win Rookie of the Year. <laughs> oh, like that's on. that's not a good that's not a good list if you start going backwards and looking at yeah don't look at him <laughs> don't look at him it's not a, it's not a great list. Um, I mean, I think Ben Simmons is going to be great. Uh, if Donovan Mitchell would have wanted, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be great. Before that, it was Brogdon. I know there's a Michael Carter Williams on there. That's the worst year yeah. ever. Brogdon's nice though. He's fine. He's fine. I mean, you wouldn't want that guy to be the best player that comes out of a draft though. That's true. You know what I mean? And that's what rookie of the year kind of is telling you. Um, but yeah, a lot of confidence in Luca across the league. 43%. Love it, man. Uh, which rookie will be the best player in five years? A little bit of a twist on the same question. DeAndre Ayton, 27%. Jaron Jackson Jr., 27%, who definitely would have been uh, one or two on my list for this question. Luka Doncic, 17%. Third, and who will be the best player in five years? Bagman for uh, 13%. Kevin Knox, 13%. Wendell Carter at Three percent. This is a loaded question, and I don't feel like we ever have. Whenever, whenever people say like, for American college players, they're like, "Hey, the most NBA ready. Hey, this guy will be the best pro in five years." I feel like that's things that people like amateur GMs just say a lot. Yeah, where <laughs> it has no has no real meaning, and nobody knows how to like quantify or or put a finite. Uh, definition on it because it depends on where you're playing yeah it depends where you're playing and like seeing that josh jackson got it last year and if you're gonna tell me josh jackson is the best player out of that class four years from now i'm gonna say nah no not not in a class with donovan mitchell and ben simmons and all those dudes uh lowry like just go down the list um which rookie has the biggest which rookie was the biggest steal at where he was selected in the draft shea uh, went 11th. He got 27% of the vote, the leading vote getter. Um, I don't even know how to say this dude's first name, but I think it's McCulloch, the Lakers uh, guard forward, 47th overall. Why is there so much hype around that dude? I have no idea. Is that the Kansas kid? Uh, yeah, be right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's just a matter of you figure if you're going to be on that team Yeah. with those players. But. I guess. No, I mean, I haven't heard his name the entire preseason. Since draft night, I don't think I've heard his name. I'm just wondering why the GM hype is so is so hot on this random dude. But he's second, 13%. Wendell Carter Jr., that might be the right pick. Seventh overall to Chicago. Uh, Porter Jr. at 14th, which you could definitely talk me into. Gary Trent Jr., 37 overall at 10%. And then Luka Doncic <laughs> went third. <laughs> And was the biggest steal in the draft, according to 7% of the GMs. Very strange. <laughs> I love it, though. Dennis won it last year. Yeah, Dennis won it. So we got uh, back-to-back uh, on the on the podium um, for biggest steal in the draft. Yeah, I think David Blatt a couple weeks ago said something along the lines of the biggest um, miss in the draft 
was Luca not going one. And I was like, he went three. That's still really high, David. With three, and a team had to move up to get him. Yeah, and a team team gave up that pick and another pick to go get him. So I don't know if I don't know if he's misevaluated, but I I do think uh, people that coach international basketball will definitely get upset if the best get pedigree, yeah, yeah. If the best pedigree player they've had in a long time doesn't go first overall. Who's the best international international player in the NBA? Giannis is pretty obvious. 73% of the vote to Giannis, 10% to Chris Tapps, who's not expected to play this season. <laughs> the third best international player in the NBA. Just take that's the a, take the brakes off this hype absurd, train. Man. I mean, especially whenever you're sitting there looking at the Joker. Jokic, yeah. Jokic is just, come on, guys. Dude, if Luka turns into <laughs> Nikola Jokic, then you have to be wow. absolutely. That'd be great. Ecstatic. I mean, the That'd difference is is that Jokic was drafted in the second freaking round. Yeah, and so, he was a doughy kid that deserved to be taken in the second round. Yeah, but if you end up with a guy who can give you that sort of production, obviously, obviously it would be in a way different way. Mm-hmm. You're very, very pleased with that. Yeah. And look, I think the. I mean, I think in a couple of years the Nuggets are going to be a top four team in the West for like a five, six year run. Yeah, I mean, it totally depends on. Probably their next off season, because I think Millsap is up. They're gonna have a little bit of money. Um, they just cleared out Fareed and Wilson Chandler, and maybe even draw Arthur. So they're gonna have money. I think if I was Denver, I would go pretty hard at it this year. This would be almost the all-in year because I feel like it can set up uh, the next couple years of free agents being super interested. Next question is: Who is the best interior defender? In the NBA. Gobert, 80% overall. Anthony Davis, 10%. Uh, Draymond gets a vote. Dwight Howard gets a vote. And DeAndre Jordan makes your list. I'm surprised he's below Dwight and Draymond, but I'll let it be. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised Dwight's getting any votes for anything at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, I don't. I, who else would even be on that list? That we're not um, thinking of because that feels very incomplete to me. Who else would be? So it's like defensive player of the, of the year guy type guys. I mean, like, where's it's Capella? Like a center, it's like a center question. Where's Capella? Where's like Drummond? Yeah, Drummond should be up there. I'll give you another one. How about side? Durant? Durant? Durant is a better interior defender than Dwight Howard. That's a joke. Yeah. I'm I mean, with you on that. It's obviously like you're just looking at centers and saying. Yeah. But, I mean, there's plenty of guys. What about like Nurk? Yeah. What about Embiid? This is a bad list, Mike, is what I'm telling you. This is the <laughs> this, most angry I've been at an answer in, in this thing so far. They phoned this one I'm okay, I'm okay with Gobert being one, but there are plenty of dudes who... Well, I don't feel like a lot of people voted or they all just wrote Gobert because 80% of the vote and there's only two people that register. Other I, ones? I, I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming on the also receiving votes is just a guy that got one vote. Yeah, well... I would also like to pencil in next year's starting Maverick center, Miles Turner. Oh, okay. That's a pretty solid. He's a, he is a really good rim defender. He's, he's, uh, is he the most unicorn yes. guy besides Porzingis? Uh, well, I mean, of the new class. I mean, I think you'd still probably have to throw your, you know, your Brow and Towns. and Yeah, Brow, uh, Brow's in there. Brow, Towns, Porzingis. People keep trying to throw Giannis in there, and I'm like, you got to shoot a little bit better. He's, I mean, phenomenal top five player, but that's not unicorn what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think Miles Turner would 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 absolutely do the most for me. Signing Miles Turner might do more for me than getting Doncic. Ooh, interesting. Because I think if you can unlock having the big that can shoot, man, you are. Yeah, they didn't just you are, the big who can defend and shoot. You are so set moving forward. You're just thirsty for that inverted offense. And that would be filthy. I know. I know your affinity for Euless Trinity. Perhaps. <laughs> Waterburger tournament guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who is the best head coach in the NBA? Brad Stevens, forty-seven percent. Pop, thirty. D'Antoni, seven. Well, should have done something about those twenty-seven straight missed threes. Jeez. <laughs> Steve Kerr gets fourth. Get all the way out of here. Just bored. Uh, 
I love that Quinn Snyder made the list because he's also like the best and worst coach in the NBA where I feel like he's going to kill his team by game 50 just practicing so stinking hard. Yeah. And like they're going to have some weird injuries and um, I don't know. They're just going to be mentally fried at some point. But then they'll get it back together like last month of the season and win like 10 in a row and it'll be cool. But uh, Quinn Snyder's a hell of a coach. He's definitely risen the ranks. Um, he also from, scares me. He is a little scary. A little scary. And then, I think I'm the most fearful of him of any other coach. He has too much of a Pat Bateman. <laughs> yeah, like, American Psycho. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll talk to you about some Genesis records for sure. Uh, and then Carlisle. Carlisle is fifth, I believe, in this list in the also receiving votes category. Um, most of these guys I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Not afraid of Brad Stevens. Let's pick the coaches we could beat in a fight. Brad Stevens. I think. Terry Stotts. I would treat Pop like Don Zimmer and uh, <laughs> Pedro Martinez. I would chuck him right to the ground. <laughs> uh, which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Rick Carlisle won this last year. This year it's Brad Stevens, Popovich, Rick Carlisle, third, tied with Quinn Snyder, Doc Rivers, fifth, and Spolstra, sixth. Uh, I put this one on here just because it interested me because they're asking GMs and people that have a say in this matter. What rule regarding play, draft lottery, playoff format, et cetera, most needs to change? Number one, playoff seating one through 16. 100%. It makes no sense to me. 200% here for it. The fact that the Denver Nuggets didn't make the playoffs last year after winning 46 games. Um, The fact that there are going to be three teams in the West, two or three teams in the West this year that are going to win 45 games and not make it in. Crazy talk. Yeah, that one's got to go. When the below 500 Washington Wizards at like 40 and 42, like they're just going to moonwalk into the thing, just like taking the final two weeks of the season off. Getting two home playoff games. Yeah, getting home playoff revenue. Uh, Second rule that needs to be changed, draft lottery, the odds slash system. I don't know exactly what the plan is. It's like you're you're bitching about a plan, but you don't have a uh, an answer or a solution for it. I don't mind the wheel. The um, wheel. I think I would be interested in the uh, tournament playing for for draft order. Oh, that'd be like great. During the playoffs or something. That'd be great. I'm here for that for sure because I would be freaking out. <laughs> I could see that being being something I'd be Just on. Just losing with. your mind over a Kings-Suns game yeah. in May. It'd be cool. They're playing for the number one pick. DeAndre Ayton plays 42 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three schedule, just give me fewer games, uh, at 11% for draft combine process. I don't know what the issue is there. Um, I guess it's some guys just don't go. I don't know. I don't know what their, uh, this seems like a very inside baseball complaint and then draft medical info, (laughs) all the teams that, uh, prospects won't give their info to got really pissed and voted for this one. That's the Michael Porter vote. That's the Michael Porter, Josh Jackson, Boston. Uh, vote right there. Draft eligibility one and done rule. I thought that would be higher. Yeah, I thought that would be like second or third. Um, get this one year in college out of here, uh, and then replay length, which I guess just speed it up. Uh, some of the also receiving votes: block charge review, draft after free agency. I guess it's sequencing of events. I like that. That needs to be changed. Yeah, for sure. Enforce discontinued dribble. <laughs> Someone's just a real. Real hard ass for that rule. Enforce no advance after dribble, intentional fouling, number of timeouts, training camp roster size, two-way contracts, days of service, and two-minute report. What is that? Uh, The release of the official's report uh, showing what they jacked up. Some people think they should keep that. Either you should do the full 48, which would be very, very hard, or you should just just keep it quiet. Yeah, I got you. It doesn't. I don't know. Like, I get that they're trying to be transparent, mm-hmm. but it just ends up pissing people off. Oh, no doubt. So I'm not really sure that it is, achieves the goal that they're looking to achieve. No, I don't think you it does. You can't change it. I think all 48 probably makes a lot more sense of good call, bad call. Uh, otherwise, you're just like, you're running up to a fire and you're just <laughs> throwing a can of gasoline yeah. in the final two minutes of a game. So. I know Draymond's against it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we have uh, game four of the preseason Friday here 
I believe it's 7.30 p.m. Seven, yeah, 7.30 p.m. Against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, hopefully DeAndre plays. Hopefully Harrison Barnes' hamstring is in uh, good enough shape to participate. Um, I, don't, seen, I, I hope it's not. How about that? I hope Barnes doesn't play at all. We haven't seen all of them play together, have we? No, we Barnes, haven't, but just in... I'm so afraid of hamstrings, man, and, and maybe next week before the preseason, before the regular season starts, we need to talk about that a little bit, but um, I feel like he's forgotten. Yeah, and he's very slept on. He's still put up some pretty good numbers and, and got better as the years have gone on and improved on different things, and I think they need, if you're talking about trying to get to 40 wins, you are not doing that without Harrison Barnes. Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. And hamstrings are that's tough, man. I I think he's fine. I hope so. Just from hanging out at practice uh, longer than we're supposed to, talking to random people, he's there. <laughs> okay. He's uh he's uh, he's in attendance. Whenever they call his name, he's he's out there participating a little bit. So, um, all right, Hornets Friday. We'll be back with you next Monday. Uh, we're gonna try and do season predictions and get them all out of the way uh, before the games start rolling in. A uh, week from Wednesday, man. It's so close uh, to Maverick season. So thank you for listening. And Jacob, thank you for your time.